Well, listen, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I want to say Merry Christmas to you. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the first to say that, and I'm sure I won't be the last today, but Merry Christmas. Uh, this is the last in a kind of a four-part series leading up to Christmas called He Shall Be Called. So if you missed any of these, you can find this uh, on our website under the messages there. Um, we, we'd be happy to have you go listen to those again. And, and the, the main text for what we've been going through is Isaiah 9, 6. Let me grab my water. <clears throat> also, if you're, if you're brand new today, a couple times a year, um, I hit this weird place where I kind of struggle and sound like I'm a teenager again. This is one of those Sundays probably, so I apologize in advance if that happens. But uh, Isaiah 9, 6 is the main uh, text, and it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so, of course, in this four-part series, we've covered Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Today, I want to talk about his being the Prince of Peace. Now, uh, if you're a, a New King James Version haver, uh, it, in that it says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men, which is kind of that song that we just sung about. That's where they get that from, right? So this is New King James Version. This is in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. And if you know anything about the Bible as a whole, uh, this is uh, the angels that are heralding Jesus's birth, right? So this is when the angels appear to the shepherds and then this is what they say before they, they go, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Now, that song that we just sung, it's uh, titled, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. That version happened to be by Casting Crowns. You may or may not know this, but uh, this Christmas carol is based on the 1863 poem called Christmas Bells by the American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Sounds right, doesn't it? Sounds like a poet of the 18th century there. Uh, this song tells of the, narrow, the, the narrator, Henry Wadsworth, hearing Christmas bells during the American Civil War, but he was despairing as he heard that. And you maybe, as we just sung that, you remember that phrase, hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And so I, I want to pose the same question that I think Henry was posing to his people then. I want to say, where is this peace? So a long time ago, these angels came and they said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But I don't know about you. Has that failed? I don't always see that, if we're honest. I want to show you, or I, want to, I guess I can't show you, but I can tell you. In Africa, there are 35 armed conflicts going on right now. Now, if you're anything like me, you're not great at geography. I almost said geometry, which really would have revealed... <laughs> But in Africa, these 35 armed conflicts, one is in Ethiopia, one's in Mali, one's in Sudan. You've heard those names before, right? You maybe not could point to them on the map, but in Asia, there's 21 armed conflicts right now, places like India, Myanmar, Afghanistan. In Europe, there's seven armed conflicts going on. You know the big one, right? Russia and Ukraine, we hear about that, but there's Moldova and Azerbaijan that's happening right now too. Of course, you know about the war that's going on in, in Israel. But in America, there's wars going on too. I mean, uh, apparently, right? We have a war on drugs that has been happening for a long time. Uh, there's the war on terrorism that's been going on since 9-11. I distinctly remember that. If you're old enough, you do too. There's the war on poverty that we have. But if we look a little closer to home, there's sometimes there's household wars. I mean, there's divorce. There's fathers that are missing in action. 
There's children that are prisoners of war. And all of that because we're in a spiritual war. And so what's up with this peace on earth? Well, Isaiah, as he writes this section in 9-6, right? Isaiah is writing knowing that peace is not simply a state of no physical war. And I think that's where we go first. And that's not wrong. But that's not what is meant here in this text. And so Isaiah knows that, not just no physical war. This peace had to do with both physical sense of safety and a spiritual sense of wholeness. Israel needed to be reassured that this kind of peace was coming. And I think I do too. And I, so maybe you do as well. So let's pray. Almighty, infinite Father, we praise your holy name today. We thank you for sending us your son, Jesus, the Christ. It is in his name that we are able to come to you. And we celebrate you, Lord our God. We also come to you to confess that we, like Isaiah's people, often neglect to remember who you are. We are often led by fear and not hope, by our lusts and not love. We confess our sins before you and beg for your forgiveness and your continued patience and perseverance with us. We thank you, Father, that your steadfast love and kindness reigns over us. We praise you for your goodness and your long-suffering over us. We thank you that your word, with texts such as this, found here in Isaiah, speak of hope and peace. Father, we pray that you would give us today our daily bread, that you would feed us spiritual food by your word, that you would raise up a revival in your church near and far, that you would empower us to be bold and zealous for your word in this world, and that you would help us to set our hearts firm on the world to come. It is in your name we do pray. Amen. Uh, just to, uh, are, you guys are recording too, right? Okay, cool, thanks. So in this text, um, this term, uh, Prince of Peace, in the Greek and the Hebrew and the other languages that hardly any people know, right, um, there's, there's ways that this can be broken down. So the prince term there is this word, sar, which maybe we get the word czar from or something like that. I, I don't know for sure. But I can tell you how it's broken down in, in these kind of, it's, it's the representation of a king. It is an official, which is kind of in that same camp, right? It's a commander. It's a district leader. It's a person of note. Or it's referred to as a head or the first. Does that make sense? So we translate that prince encompasses a lot of those, right, in the English language. And then this word peace, and if you've been to church for a while or if you grew up going to church, you probably already know this word for peace is this word shalom, right? Or maybe you've heard that on movies if you haven't heard it in the church. Well, you're going to learn a new word today, and you can impress your friends and your family at Christmas today, and you can just welcome, you know, hey, shalom, and they'll be like, what's wrong with you? Um, so shalom is this idea of prosperity, of welfare, of health, right? It's also, though, deliverance, salvation. It's really this idea of wholeness. So this would be the official of wholeness, right? Or the district leader of deliverance 
or any kind of other way that we might do that, but Prince of Peace is also pretty good when you think of that for wholeness and the first and the commander of all the things. Now, I say that because uh, what we have been doing is, is using Isaiah 9, 6, and we've kind of been jumping all over the Bible to kind of talk about those words. And today, I really want us to camp somewhere. Now, I hope that I remembered to do my slides the way that I'm hoping to do them. If I didn't, here's where you can find the text that I'm going to be camping on. I want to take us to Colossians. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I hope it's on the screen next. It is. So you can follow along on the screen if, if, uh, if you don't have a copy. If you do have a copy, it's in the New Testament, Colossians. Uh, it's after all the Gospels there, and, and you can turn to that. But it's Colossians chapter 1, okay? Colossians chapter 1. They're going to click through with me as I read. This is what it says in the Word of God for Colossians 1, 15 through 23. And I want you to listen here of what you might think Isaiah is talking about when he uses the term Prince of Peace. Because I just defined those words for you, right? Sar and Shalom. And so I want you to see that here in what uh, Paul writes to the Colossians. Okay? This is what it says. He, this is Jesus, of course, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So now I do want to take us step by step through this and use a couple of those definitions. So if you're a note taker, that's what these are. So you can fill these in. I want to define a couple of these terms for SAR first and then close out with this idea of peace, okay? Uh, so the first one for you is uh, the, uh, Prince, right, uh, that SAR. Firstly, he is a uh, representative. So if you have a copy of God's Word there, or they can put it on the screen there behind you, uh, First uh, uh, Colossians 1.15, uh, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And then in 19.2, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. How much more of a representative can you be? Now, as my children grow... Uh, they will eventually get to the place where I can send them on errands and to do things, right? I, I can give them uh, the keys to my car, and they can go to the store, and they can, they can pick up things. I can give them the money to do that, or I can maybe even give them uh, a credit card or something. Uh, and or as we continue to grow, and eventually as I become uh, a sweet little old man that you all imagine that I'll be, 
Um, one day they will be the executors of my estate, right? Or, 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 or the, the trustees over whatever it is that I have. And so they will then have to make decisions on my behalf. And hopefully I've done a good job loving them so they make good decisions for me, right? Jesus is the exact representation of the Father to us. Listen to what it says. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to read more about Jesus. I hope that it does for you. I want to know Jesus more because the more I know Jesus, the more I know the Father. The more that I have a relationship with Jesus, the more I have a relationship with the Father. He is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. Now, that does not mean that he is created. I know sometimes that may cause a stumbling block for you. It just means, again, this idea, he is over all of creation. We also read in the text that through him all things were created, right? So obviously he's different than creation. And so as Jesus was here, as the representative, we can understand some things about that. Jesus did everything that God would have done. Or or really, Jesus did everything that God did do, if if you think about it that way. But also, Jesus did not do anything that God would not have done. Or, Jesus did not do anything that God did not do. Is everybody sufficiently confused? Okay, I apologize for that if that's you. I, 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 I trust that you're able to follow, though. So Jesus, as this representative, came down to take on human flesh so that he could not only be the exact image of God, but he could be an appropriate representative of us. You see, he had to be fully God and fully man so that he could understand what it is to be man with our struggles. Not just men, ladies, humanity. And so Jesus is a representative not only of the invisible God, to us, but of us to God. Which means that not only did Jesus do everything that God would have done, Jesus did everything that you, me, that we should have done. If you're here this morning, and you struggle with, I'll call it what I call it for myself sometimes, if, if you struggle with self-esteem or self, self-doubt, self-hate, and you cannot, now go with me for this because I'm, I'm not getting super loosey-goosey, okay? If you have trouble forgiving yourself, which I do not like that term because it's like, well, you didn't sin against yourself, you sinned against God, you need God's forgiveness. Stop talking about this 21st century forgive yourself garbage, but you have to use the language. I'm trying to communicate, okay? So don't stone me yet. Let me finish. So if you, here's what I'm getting with this. If you have trouble forgiving yourself for a past sin, I want to encourage you. If God could take on human flesh and forgive you, then who do you think you are to then still hold on to that? Trust Christ who has given you that forgiveness. Accept what he has given you. And stop thinking that your sin is so big that he can't forgive you. You're not that great, and neither am I. Our sins can be forgiven by Christ. 
And so Jesus speaks on our behalf. He succeeds where we fail because he is not only a representative of an invisible God to us, but of us to God. He stands in our place. He is the Tsar of a representative. Secondly, though, right, he is a commander. Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. We talked about this a couple weeks ago now as we were talking about who he is. Whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So the principalities and the powers of this world understood that. They recognized that. You see that in texts like in Matthew 4.3 where it says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to be loaves of bread. Or in Luke 8.31, And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. So we see that he has the authority over all of creation. Things that we see and that we don't see. Whether it's making bread or whether it's uh, destroying demons. And we see the humanity of Jesus, that he was both tempted to abuse it and begged not to use it. And then we see that as a commander, he gives us commands. John 15, 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. And so he proclaims this himself. And he gives us marching orders as well. And he tells us that, you know, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. And his commandments should not be burdensome to us. That we ought to love one another. We ought to have a desire to follow Jesus. Uh, Just last night, we went to my in-law's house to do a present exchange and stuff like that. And um, I was talking with my father-in-law. We were talking about this message today and things like that. And it just happened to come up that we were talking about what it was in our lives that gave us the um, the the proof that the evidence of our of our own salvation in in our own lives, and I can't I can't remember what he said. I, I should, um, and so shame on me for that. But I remember what I said, and what I said was uh, that I now have the actual desire to do the things God wants me to do. Before there was only one person who I wanted to do the desires of. Do you know who that was? This guy, the guy with two thumbs, right? This guy. I wanted to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, and I didn't really care about how it affected anybody else. But the moment that I became a Christian, the moment that Jesus saved me is when my heart was changed and I now actually wanted to do the things that Jesus wanted me to do. But now I was like my big brother Paul who said, Lord, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, these things I keep on doing, who's going to set me free from the body of death? And then I went back to the gospel again. I said, man, praise the Lord for Jesus. Amen. And so Jesus gives us commands, and he also holds the position of commander. He holds the position of being the first, right? Colossians 1.17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Here's the interesting thing about first. What does first imply? What does the word first imply? That there's going to be something after it, right? Uh, one of the things I think that bothers Drew the most, if I can speak for him, is whenever, whenever we have staff meetings, and I was like, okay, a couple things. First, and I always number everything. I think that's what happens with preachers. Eventually, we get to a place where we're like, we just have to number everything, and there's got to be three points that I've got to deliver to you, and so I'm going to tell you them in order. But first, even in English, it, it, it means that there's something coming after it, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't say first. You would just, it would just be the thing, right? There was no... There, God didn't say the first ark Noah built. No, 
one ark. What it says here is he's before all things. All things hold together. He is the first. That's part of that word, sar. So what does that mean for us, beloved? It means that there should be something coming after. And we see that in the next section there, the last word that I want to talk about before we talk about this word peace, this idea of shalom. Colossians 1, 18, he is the head of the body, the church. That's what's coming after him. It says he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That's Not today, Satan. <clears throat> so he's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. Then everything, he might be what? Preeminent. And so we see that he's the head of the church. Ephesians 5, 23, Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. And so here's why I covered those firstly. I want for you to understand, I hope, the weight and the gravity that Jesus uses all this position all this power, all this authority. He uses all this to use another modern word, privilege, to bring peace, to bring wholeness. And so I want to show you as we close, uh, I want to show you three areas where in Christ Jesus he brings wholeness, where he brings completeness, where he brings peace. says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so again, unfortunately with Mr. Longfellow, then I, I, I asked the question, well, where is this peace? What does that look like? Now, I wouldn't be able to do what I do for a living if I believed that this was wrong or if you failed. And so I, I hope that you don't believe he's wrong and that he failed either. And so where is this peace? Well, I'm glad that you asked the question. In fact, Paul does answer that. We just read that. And we're going to read that again so that you can be reminded before we touch on it. But Colossians 1, 19 through 23, it says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Here it is, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So I know that I have scripture verses in between these, but I'm going to ask Nick to skip the scripture for us. I want to give you these points um, in in order. But the first is this. Jesus brings peace with his creation. Colossians 1.20, right, says, And through him he reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. 
No, you know what? We won't skip the verses. Let's not do that. Isaiah 11, 6 through 9 says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lay down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. So if you're cynical like I am, you think to yourself, well, that didn't happen, so did he fail? I would say, no, brother, this is for the future. And we know that he will do this because of what he's already done. He has already fulfilled his promises so many This is Isaiah looking into the new heavens and the new earth. This is Isaiah looking past the cross into his new creation of which you and I are all destined, if we're in Christ, to go and to be. This is a place where Jesus will one day bring everything back to how it was in the garden, how everything was supposed to be. This is wholeness, wholeness where everything works together, where everything is fruitful. It talks about that in Revelation, where which we're going to get at, you know, in the in the new year. But it talks about how uh, uh, in different places where these trees will bear fruit, each one in their season. I don't know if you think about this very much. I would encourage you to do so, especially if you're like me and you ever battle with depression. Um, I, I have I, I I don't really like you know labels and that kind of stuff. I, I'm sure that I could get the label if I wanted to, seasonal affective disorder or something like that which is kind of a slap in the face if you think about what that spells. You're just sad. I'm like, well, okay. Um, and, and, and you all know that I do, that there is a difference between just being sad or being depressed. And, and if you struggle with that ever, I, I just want to encourage you, brother or sister, think about what heaven's going to be like when you're feeling that way. Because it's beyond your imagination. My, my kids say things like, well, I can't wait to get there so I can, you, you know, ride dolphins and, you, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I got no I don't think that's just childish stuff. Like, I mean, if our glorious if our bodies are are going to be made like Jesus's glorious body, he like, you know, I don't know, he teleported into rooms that were locked doors and did stuff like that, you know? I mean, he ascended and 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 they said he's going to descend and 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 I have no idea, but I I know this. I know that Adam and Eve were able to name every beast that they saw and that there was no like death or destruction so like you want to ride a lion you ride a lion i don't think there's any problem with that we're imagining a little bit so again if this is your first sunday here this is not always how it works but the text does say these things that the wolf and the lamb are going to lay down together that the kid is going to play on the adder's den that a little child is going to lead these things so obviously there's no danger there and so you're telling me that in the kingdom of heaven, this little child is just going to lead these beasts and he's not going to ride them? Do you know, kids? And so this peace that Jesus brings is a future peace. And we need to remember that it's a future peace. We need to look forward and long for a future peace. But also, he tells us that there's peace with other humans. 
Colossians 1.20 says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. In Galatians 3.28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Isaiah 2.4, it says, He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So this peace that he offers for future is also, though, a peace that he offers right now. I'm here to tell you that the only reason Elisa and I have a good and stable marriage is because of Christ Jesus. I can tell you for a fact that the only reason Elisa even said yes is because of Christ Jesus. There was a very real time when I was a new and baby Christian and I I told her about my history before Jesus that she wanted to make sure that Jesus had really changed me before she said yes. And rightly so. It was a wise thing for a woman to do. The only reason that Elisa and I are good parents at all, if you think that we are, is because of Jesus. The only reason that my in-laws and my brothers and sisters-in-law who are in attendance today have any desire to even be here is because of Jesus. Every relationship that you have with any person on this globe is made better if Jesus is in between you. It's just the fact. And not only that, is it not only for now, but it's also for future like we already just talked about. Eventually, there will be no more need for spears only plowshares. I don't know what a plowshare is, but I'm, it sounds better than a spear. We'll have pruning hooks instead. And he says one day, everything's going to be at peace. He also talks about how these nations, remember that, that's another thing. The, the nations are going to continue to be distinct because God made it that way. And it's beautiful that there's distinctness in nations. And each nation will have its own attributes and its own things that they offer to the kingdom that our nation doesn't have, that our people doesn't have. I will never forget the beauty of going to a worship service for the deaf. What did that look like, I wonder? Well, I'm going to tell you just real quick. They had these drums that were jimungus on the stage. You know why they had jimungus drums on the stage? So you could feel the beat because you couldn't hear it. And so these dudes were pounding on these drums. And then meanwhile, the folks that were in the audience were like signing the praise songs to the beat. And I was like, I wish I knew sign language right now because this is awesome. Also, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of you in this room don't have a whole lot in common. But you get along and you love each other because of Christ Jesus. I have fellowship with 80-year-old-plus men in this congregation because of Jesus. Because other than that, if we're honest, we don't have a whole lot in common. But through Christ Jesus, we have an awful lot in common. Lastly, and most specifically, Jesus brought peace with God the Father. Colossians 1.22 says, He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, speaking of God the Father. Now, there's a large section of text 
that I want to read to you in Ephesians chapter 2. You can turn there if you want. It will be on the screen. Here's what it is. Ephesians chapter 2, 12 through 22. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, church as a whole is normally for people who already believe. And so we come here so that we can hear from God's word, so we can worship a God who we love, and so we can have fellowship with one another because of what Christ has already done into us. And so most of today's message, I I, I trust, I, I hope, is for those of you who already believe. But this part of the message is for you if you're here today and you're not sure. Here's my pitch. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, there's something I know about you. You don't have peace. You can smile when you come in. You can tell people everything's fine. But I know. Because I've been you. And so if you're here this morning, I want to offer you the greatest gift anyone's ever given you which isn't really even mine to give. It's a babe born in the manger who was born to die for a wretch such as me and such as you who offers you peace. Peace with yourself. Peace with your past. Peace for your future. He offers you hope joy, peace, and love, right? That's the Advent 4. He offers you salvation, security, forgiveness. He offers you rest and a clear conscience. He offers you freedom from guilt and from shame, from the bondages of our own sinful desires. He offers you what no mere man can, because he's not mere man. He is the prince of peace. And so here's what the charge is. 
If I've just described you this morning, if you're here and you don't know that peace, I'd like to offer you to accept that forgiveness, to accept that peace, to accept Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior right now, today. To not walk away from the best gift that you have ever been offered. big idea of this message, remember, was Isaiah knew that peace was not simply a state of no physical war. Peace had to do with both physical sense of safety and, more than that, a spiritual sense of wholeness. Israel needed to be reassured that peace was coming. Well, Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He is the peace we seek. He provides the peace we need. And I hope that we would live in light of that peace. In the present, as we learn how to be shaped by it to prepare for the future when his peace will be the only thing that we know. So as we close, here's what I'd like to offer to you. Instead of closing in prayer, I'm going to give you an opportunity to either sing, to sit and listen, to pray. Perhaps this is your birthday or your second birthday. And so that song that we just sung, I Heard the Bells by uh, Longfellow there, um, that was the uh, Casting Crowns version. We're going to look, we're going to listen to uh, the original version. And so uh, in closing, you can feel free to, to stay seated. You can, you can sing that if you want. You can just listen. You can pray. Uh, wherever God is leading you to, uh, that's how we're going to close.